Hi, this is Natasha Damaskarf. I am the Global VP of uh, Marketing and Sales Enablement within Rhydesys. I feel like for Rhydesys, the DNA of the company was really open telecom. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Natasha. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on this show. Yeah, I am really looking forward to speaking with you. And today we'll be talking specifically about the concept of a more open telecom ecosystem. But before doing that, I must ask you the obligatory question here on Well Technically, which is, what is an example of a time in which being a woman empowered you? So Catherine, that is, I think, a super tough question, Uh, but let me see if I can answer that. Um, You know, from my perspective, I have felt like I've always been empowered. Maybe it's to do with the fact that I've had a very strong role model in my mother, who's uh, always been a technologist. And uh, what was put in front of me is like, you can do, you can be whatever you want to be. And that's pretty much uh, how, uh, you know, I set the stage in terms of uh, what I wanted to do in, uh, in my career. You know, over the course of the year, I've, I've been a working mother. Um, and at any given point in time, I'm probably juggling tons of different things, about 50 different things. Um, I've also been always in an environment surrounded by some incredibly, incredibly smart um, um, men. You know, as it happens, telecom is uh, is very much a male-dominated field. And I always felt that, you know, as people are very, very smart, uh, they have a lot to say, there's always a lot of complexity built in. But, you know, me with my background, with my chaos surrounding me, I've always had the tendency to simplify every problem into chunks that are manageable. So uh, my sort of motto in career and life has always been make it simple, you know, in any aspect. And I think that sort of helps me do anything that I do from uh, working on strategies, working on positioning, even my personal life. Yeah, I'm not a, a mother but I imagine you get pretty good at dealing with chaos when you're a mother, particularly when you're a working mother. Absolutely. All right. You have a PhD in computational physics from the Liquid Crystal Institute at Kent State. First, Liquid Crystal Institute is a very cool and very mysterious name for those of us who did not study computational physics. So I definitely want to know a bit about the work you were doing there, but also, how did you go from being in academia to where you are now working at Radisys? Okay, so first, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, solving the mystery. Um, LCDs, you use it every day. That is liquid crystals, right? And uh, when I was doing my PhD at uh, the Liquid Crystal Institute, what we were looking at are how different elements such as, you know, temperature and electricity and all other elements 
affect properties of liquid crystal. And just so you know, liquid crystal is that state of matter between a liquid and a solid. So that is what liquid crystal is. And at that time, you know, we were looking at, um, these are early days in LCD. So we used to have issues around grayscale. If you recall, if you had an LCD display a long time ago, if you look at it from an edge from one side, it starts looking a little bit gray and those are called grayscale issues. So a lot of the early uh, research was, uh, you know, in areas such as uh, looking at uh, how things affect liquid crystals so we could get the best displays out there. So um, why go from academia or how I ended up going from academia to where I am today? Um, actually, academia was great, uh, but the only thing I felt at that point in time is results were maybe 10 years away. And so it's like, okay, we did all this great stuff. We all think this is awesome, but when will I actually see anything being done using these, you know, um, theories, et cetera, that we had come up with? So that sort of um, got me to transition into, you know, the, the technology space outside of academia. Uh, and my first job was actually um, at, a, at a defense company. I worked on uh, digitizing uh, different elements of that uh, solution. Um, one of the elements of that solution was its communication system, which got me interested into communications and brought me to Nortel, where I built security solutions um, for, for Nortel, and then went into a startup building security gateways for what is now called small cells. I appreciate you taking the time to walk me through that journey. I'm always particularly interested in those who have moved from academia to other areas because little known fact about me, I am actually a PhD dropout. So (laughs) it was not in uh, anything technological. Uh, I was getting my PhD in film theory. Wow. For one reason or another, I decided I didn't want to be in academia and instead I wanted to put you know my writing skills you know out there in the real world and now I'm here so I'm always interested in that type of transition because while I love school and I miss it (laughs) you know I'm grateful for where I am now so I appreciate you walking me through your own journey there absolutely okay now that the mystery has been solved around this liquid crystal institute we can actually move into why you're, you're really here, which is this conversation about open telecom, which yep. has really been ramping up lately. But I wanted to start by asking you, what does that phrase open telecom really mean for you and more broadly for Radisys? I mean, you're right, um, Catherine. There's been so much talk about open telecom, open RAN. There is a lot of interest. The value of open uh, networks is starting to come out and people are paying attention. Um, But, you know, even in early days when we started looking at uh, open telecom solutions, the first thing people said, okay, so that means it's open source, right? So it's like, okay, it's bigger than open source or that's how we look at it. Um, when when we at Radisys look at uh, open telecom, it really has multiple elements. Um, actually, you may not know this, but Radisys is a uh, over thirty year old company. And uh, uh, when we started, we were we, the company was actually spun off um, Intel, 
And it was spun off Intel's open platform division. So that's where we started. And over the years have uh, continued making a transition from a company that was uh, really all around embedded hardware to a company moving towards software and that software which was based on non-proprietary technology and non-proprietary hardware. And, and so in a way, um, I feel like uh, for Radisys, um, the DNA of the company was really open telecom. So when we at Radisys talk about open telecom, it's it's a few things such as open platforms and architecture. So what I mean there is really a separation of software from underlying hardware. It's about leveraging white box technology instead of proprietary hardware. Of course, that gives you the cost advantage. Um, it's also about separation of uh, different network elements and use of open APIs to be able to do so, and where possible using open software and also in some cases also open hardware. And the idea of this is to help our customers who are primarily large service providers uh, introduce their services quickly and in a way democratize innovation, you know. And by doing so, I mean, by having open solutions, uh, what we see is that uh, for our customers, it really enables a multi-venture uh, deployment. Uh, it enables more competitive and actually a very vibrant uh, supplier ecosystem. So from that perspective, uh, that's the reason we are in this business. We've been working with our customers very closely, uh, driving some of the um, innovations and uh, disruptive models within the space. But it's not just about technology. It is also about how this technology comes together through open integration model. Once you have disaggregated and opened up everything, well, you've got to put it back together, right? So that is a very fundamental component of what open solutions are all about. You mentioned open telecom was sort of in the DNA of Radisys, which seems to connect to something you said in a previous interview with Telecom Drive. You said that one of the company's goals is to make Radisys synonymous with open telecoms and technologies. What did you mean by that? And what specifically is Radisys doing to achieve that goal? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, the first thing is, you know, when I joined the company in 2017, looking at all the things we did, uh, the move towards software, towards virtualization, uh, towards disaggregation was something which was sort of fundamental and to the core of what we were doing. So that's the beginning part of it. And so we actually launched an initiative known as Open Radices. So if you look at our website, you will see this is something this is that we, are, we talk about quite a bit. But we have also been in extremely strong supporters of uh, open standards communities, um, you know, from ORAN Alliance to, you know, Telecom Infra Project or even the OTIC uh, uh, labs, which is around integration of such solutions, uh, open networking, networking foundations, small cell forum, uh, even the open RAN policy coalition, which is probably the newest of uh, all of them. And we chair several working groups uh, within these organizations. So we feel like we are very vested in making this uh, technology happen. And we got into it actually not because, uh, you know, as, a, as sort of a science experiment, it really came through um, our customers. I, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on the benefits of, yep. of this openness, you know, innovation, 
avoiding vendor lock-in, all that type of stuff. What are some of the biggest challenges around open telecom? And how do you think that those in the industry should navigate those challenges, especially because this is sort of new territory, but it's also kind of a hot topic. So I'm sure a lot of carriers and vendors are really interested in this. You know, what would your advice be to them? Sure. So, you know, I think this is uh, obviously a new space, but it's uh, not as new as it was a couple of years ago. So when Open Telecom started, uh, it was uh, essentially around... um, um, companies that were creating their own open ecosystems. So really not much interoperability there, right? Um, From that point on, of course, the standards organizations uh, started multiple different initiatives. There was TIP, there was ORAN Alliance, uh, Open Networking Foundations. And in early days, uh, what we saw was there was a lot of confusion, not just was there confusion and what exactly is all this, uh, you know, open alphabet super on CRAN, VRAN, DRAN, ORAN, open RAN and open RAN with the space. Like, what is it? What's the difference? Do they even work together? What's the synergy? Um, and also all of these um, standards organizations, what were they doing? Are they like sort of stepping on each other? Um, you know, are there synergies? But Over the last year or so, there have been obviously numerous synergies that are emerging between many of these organizations, and there's there's a clear path of how these all fit together. So I feel like that initial problem is uh, getting a little um, manageable in the sense it's getting better, right? The second is, uh, of course, uh, call it uh, inertia from service provider community uh, because it's a completely different model from how they do business. Uh, service providers have typically worked with one, two vendors, right, to build out their solutions. And to go from that approach to, you know, going to, well, you can get many things from many people. There's, uh, you know, how will it will it work? Is this going to be a problem or not? Um, but on the other hand, uh, I've also seen, you know, there have been some very interesting thinking from service providers. So I was actually running a panel about a year and a half ago. It was a service provider panel. And everybody on that panel uh, was supporting uh, Open Telecom. And one comment one of the executives uh, made was, look, you know, typically when we do uh, any new build outs or anything, we have RFIs, RFPs come out and it's the full RFP. It's my entire network kind of RFP. And we send it to all our vendors and all our vendors try to, you know, build out their solutions and responses towards all of those things. Wouldn't it be nicer to have a model where we go to best of breed vendors for each one of those components and not have this everybody builds everything? And that's costly. It's um, not optimal. And there is no clear innovation in, in that. So it was interesting for us to see that. I mean, we come from a vendor community, so it's it's always been, of course, the right thing to do from where we saw it. But to see it from their perspective, you know, speed of innovation was was a big deal. There are also, you know, challenges there, and there are some real challenges. For example, if, when you do disaggregation, right? Uh, before disaggregation, perhaps um, many of these uh, network elements were controlled, managed, run by uh, certain groups, maybe it's the networking groups. When you start doing disaggregation and you know move the layers apart and certain components move elsewhere, now some of this does not fall in networking, it may fall in an IT domain. 
So this is not just about, you know, I don't want to let go of um, how I do things. It's it's a different model that now IT is in the mix and solving certain problems. You know, it's been there in the software industry, but not in telecom. So these are some of the hurdles that you do need to slowly overcome and show that there is a stepwise transition to this model uh, and there is benefit to all, of course, right? The other thing that we saw is... Um, multi-vendor integration. So as I said earlier, you know, open is great, you know, but who's aggregating the disaggregated system? So there's got to be somebody uh, uh, who can do that. And is there a right person? Are there organizations that can uh, sort of attest that this stuff works together? So initiatives such as the Open Test and Integration Center, the OTIC initiative are, are really great in that these, this is a uh, service provider-led initiative, which is bringing together vendors to a neutral playground where they can bring and test out their systems. And uh, we actually had the opportunity of being the system integrators during the Oran Plug Fest at China Mobile in uh, Beijing. And then the final point that I have is, you know, what works on paper and what works in the field are two very different things. Everything looks good when it's in the lab because you're making that one phone call, you're making the one session and yay, it works. <laughs> this is awesome, right? Or one node is uh, is working, but then you're in, in real life, you know. Uh, Radius is, of course, part of Reliance Industries. And if you look at Reliance Geo, you know, 380 million subscriber network. Now, if a service provider of that size is going to, you know, look, or, or any other large service provider is going to adopt a technology such as Open RAN, it needs to work at that scale. It needs to perform at that level. And a lot of the things that you look at and, uh, you know, worry about during the initial phases in the lab are very different when things are in massive networks and uh, need to work in that. So testing and interoperability and uh, having... Um, system integrators who have the knowledge of not just, you know, telecom, but what open really means. And these are completely different set of things that are being brought together. I know you just said lots of insightful things, but the thing that stuck out to me was your brief lament about open RAN versus open RAN with a space, because as a writer who has to cover this stuff, that drives me crazy. So thank you for acknowledging that struggle. Yeah, absolutely. It's very annoying. Um, no, but I, I really appreciate this because I, I feel like you're articulating the benefits, but also the very real challenges very well. And you you brought up some that I, that I hadn't really thought about before. Okay, my last question is more of a general one. What do you envision for the future of Open Telecom? You know, what trends are you keeping an eye on? So in my mind, Open telecom is already happening. You know, there are number of vendors out there, small players, New York players that are already disrupting the market, right? They are creating changes, creating solutions. And this feels like an irreversible change. Uh, it's not saying that everything's going to happen one day and you just flip the switch and everything is open. Uh, but it is happening and uh, it's a movement, much like different movements that happen um, to disrupt the computing industry, right? Uh, this is happening and what we will see is that uh, new open ecosystems are going to start emerging as this moves forward. I think um, in terms of uh, the future of, um, you know, trends, etc., I think 
it's going to be around these solutions succeed when they work well with uh, strong analytics solutions. I think that's going to be very key in terms of how solutions are not just built, how they're managed, et cetera, to see the real ROI come out of these types of solutions. I think so a lot of um, analytics is going to be something that you're going to see. Um, I think in terms of where some of these solutions are going to be used, uh, perhaps um, edge technologies will be some of the first ones that will leverage uh, or edge solutions will be some of the first ones where we'll start seeing open telecom uh, playing playing a major role. Um, and, and over time, I think uh, there is a tremendous potential. We're starting to see that. Um, we see large service providers who are our customers moving in this direction. You know, some things that I learned from um, from um, uh, our uh, our parent company, Reliance uh, Industries, is um, innovation. How this how this whole thing comes together, and it's really about thinking big, thinking disruptively, but executing with precision. So that's that mix and balance that needs to happen for this industry to really you know, get to a point where, you know, you'll see this as, oh, uh, it's an obvious thing, just like, you know, everybody talks about 5G now, uh, everybody will talk about, oh, 5G must mean uh, open RAM. All right, Natasha, I've reached the end of my questions. So thank you so much for being on Well Technically. Thank you for having me. It's great being here. Well, Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. Today's show was produced and edited by me, Catherine Spaglia.